Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer news, rockin' America. Soccer news, rockin' America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 155 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Hello! And that incredibly perfectly normal theme song. And let, let that be a little hint that things can get just a touch on the weird side here. It's part of what we do, and that's okay. I'm sure of it. That's what the doctor said anyway. Well, in any event, we are here to quote-unquote rock America with knowledge, specifically many previews from the matches from the best league races and tournaments throughout the world. And I mean anywhere in the world. We don't care if the country is big or small. If the match is important where it's being played, it is on our radar. And that allows us to do a variety of matches, some of which you will hear information on other places. A lot of them you won't. It is lots of fun because we include trivia, food knowledge, Aminals. Well, you'll find out. This particular week, we are going to be covering matches from the week Friday through Thursday, September 29 through October 5. So let's jump right in now with... March number one! We start our worldwide trek on Friday and head to the Caribbean for match number one, St. Kitts and Nevis. Their Premier League is not one of the 14 ranked leagues in CONCACAF, though it is one of the higher-end amateur ones, I'm quite certain. The champions get to go to the Caribbean Shield Cup next year, which is a feeder tournament to the Caribbean Cup, which then in turn is a feeder into the granddaddy of them all, the CONCACAF uh, Champions Cup, formerly known as CONCACAF Champions League. This is the third match of their home, or not home and away, their best of three final series. That's a very rare format anywhere in worldwide top flight football, and I love seeing anything that's different. Your matchup for uh, game three in this series continues to be Rams Village Superstars versus AL Horford St. Paul's United. Uh, St. Paul's won the first match 1-1, then on penalty kicks. Uh, Village Superstars, they won their road match 1-3. Is the home team going to take any of these? Don't know. We'll be finding out on Friday. Let's talk a little bit about each of them. St. Paul's. They are in the parish of St. Paul Capistere, which is really a town of about 1,200 in the far north of the larger of the two main islands of St. Kitts. Used to be a major sugarcane production area, but it's fallen on dreadfully hard economic times in more recent decades. Footy-wise, they have done well. Five league titles to their credit. 2019-20 was the last one. Stat-wise, uh, they were tied for first in offense for the league, getting almost two goals per match. Team's current form, well, they lost their last, uh, I won't say regular season round match because that was uh, the first section of their season. Then they had something called the Champions Round with six teams. They lost their last one in that to snap a five-match unbeaten streak but right before this series final. 
And now Village Superstars, they play out of the capital city of Basseterre, have seven league titles. Been a little longer since they've won one, I believe, 2017-18. Last season, they finished in fourth place. This year, they finished the regular season in third. Overall, stats-wise, they were the other team tied for number one on offense. So we're uh, looking forward and even hoping for a high-scoring match here. Team's current form, they are unbeaten before this final series, or they were in 16 stray matches. Match number B. Number yuck two. It is bathroom talk and it is out like yesterday's kitty litter. By gosh, we are all for number B around here. Change it. Try it in your daily lives. Listen to it in action right now. Match number B is the first of our Saturday matches from the NWSL, the top flight here in the States for the gals. Only three matches left in the season. The top six of 12 teams will make the playoffs. The top two will get buys straight to the semifinals. Your matchup, number one, Portland versus number B. There it is again. San Diego. The Thorns versus the Wave. Right now, Portland leaves San Diego by two points. San Diego, in turn, they lead number three uh, New Jersey, New York Gotham. I think it should just be Gotham by one on goal differential. So critically important for the Wave and certainly still high stakes for Portland as well. When they played earlier in California, uh, San Diego only managed a 1-1 draw. Uh, The brief series between these two, because San Diego is such a young team. Portland have had the better of it, accruing a 4-2-2 record. We can see this edition together on Paramount Plus, 10-30 Eastern Time here in the U.S. Portland, last year they finished second best in the regular season and then went on to win the playoff championships and overall title, which was their third historically. This year, they have got the number one offense by miles in the league. They're the only team getting uh, even two, and they get a fair bit more than two goals per match. Their defense, they're only tied for number seven in that that regard, but things are a little bit more packed statistically throughout the league, so we can't read too much into that because they still have the number one overall goal differential by a factor of two and a half times. Wow. Their superstar, I pitched her for the league MVP last year. I have a feeling she'll get it this year. Number one in that regard with 11, Sophia Smith, their center forward goal-scoring machine. She's also number one in the league in goals plus assist and successful dribbles per 90, so she is the engine for the offense and the offense. FopMob, the app that I really uh, like, it rates her as the number one player in the league right now. Uh, She has scored 14 goals and 34 appearances for the U.S. women's national team already. Number one in assists, another star to look for. She's got seven of those, by the way, on the air. their central midfielder, Samantha Coffey, who's got a handful of women's national team appearances of her own. Team's current form, 1-1-1 in the last three. Coming to town, trying to wreck things. San Diego, last Last year, they finished in third and made the playoff semifinals. That was their very first season ever, a very successful one. This year, a very successful one statistically as well. They're tied for second best in league scoring, getting well over one and a half per game, a little bit above average on defense. I don't think that they're going to crack the top two ultimately, but I would not put money on it. Things are that tight in this league. The best defenses, by the way, interestingly in this league, belong to the teams that are actually barely in or not even in the playoffs. You have three or four teams in this league that play small ball. They don't try to score a lot, therefore they defend very well. Number one in big chances missed. She's been a past MVP, I'm sure, yet this year. uh, I mean, she's playing very well, but by the same token, she has... 
she has missed easy goal scoring opportunities and even dozen different times. She's number one in that regard in the league by a factor of 50%. Talking about Alex Morgan, if they don't win this league, you can really put this on her. Um, she is the best player they have going, so at least offensively, five goals, four assists on the year. And she does track back pretty well on defense. She has a fair number of block shots and clearances. Team's current form, well, they just had a three-match winning streak snapped with a really bad and ill-timed 1-2 loss at home uh, to a very lowly Kansas City current. Match number three. Match number three sees us still on Saturday, but sliding over to England for Premier League action where the top four get to move on to the Champions League next year. And your matchup is a doozy. It is number four Tottenham Hotspur versus number B Liverpool doing battle. However, since it's very early in the season, I, I feel like a little clarity uh, might be in order. Uh, for the three plus years that my daughter and I have been doing this program, we have espoused our vitriol and bile for Tottenham Hotspur. We believe it is well-earned. After all, this is the only club in the world that is named for a traitor. And not only that, but a historical figure that betrayed not one, but two different kings under whom he purportedly, quote-unquote, served. Now, we understand that Harry the Hotspur Percy's family must have had land in the area in or around Tottenham, and that's why he got the name. But you would think the whole traitor thing would have been enough to kind of move things the other way. I mean, we don't have new—we have the New England Revolution here for Major League Soccer, not the New England Benedict Arnolds. Just— just wouldn't be right, nor is it right in this instance. We will carry no water for them here to elucidate some of our scorn for this team. Once again, well earned. We finally have somebody from the other side of the pond to help us out. An adjunct professor from the University of Bath. Mr. Noob, this is Sir Bertram Neville and I must object most strenuously to your characterization of Sir Henry Percy as a traitor and a lout. You, sir, have manifestly failed to thoroughly inquire into the circumstances by which Sir Henry Percy gained the sobriquet of Hotspur. It is indeed an honorable appellation, duly earned and honored. Your depictions of him as a traitor is pure codswallop, sir. He was rather the victim of a weak and pusillanimous monarch. Of course he supported Henry IV in his righteous opposition to Richard II. Sir Henry had been a loyal and ardent servant of King Richard. His zeal and speed in combating the Scots in service to his liege lord elicited the tribute of his enemies in bestowing the appellation Hotspur. Yet Richard was a tyrant. He abused the nobility of the nation in an attempt to weaken them and assume all power into his own person. He exiled, imprisoned, and executed those who strove for fair parliamentary representation. Sir Henry Percy chose wisely to support the claims of Henry Bolingbroke to the throne, and in fact the sniveling Richard eventually voluntarily abdicated the throne in favor of Bolingbroke who assumed the crown as Henry IV. So, how did Henry IV reward his loyal stalwarts, the Percy's? Well, he failed to pay the wages due them for defending the Scottish border. He demanded that the Percy's hand over their valuable Scottish prisoners. He failed to put an end to Owain Glendwer's 
rebellion through a negotiated settlement, he failed to ransom Henry Percy's own brother-in-law, Sir Edmund Mortimer, whom the Welsh had captured in June 1402. King Henry indeed betrayed his loyal subject. Of course, revolt against this cad of a king was justified and would have possibly been successful had it not been for an unfortunate era that ended Hotspur's life. Yes, the name Hotspur is borne by the Trottenham boys with pride and dignity. It required many generations to restore the fortunes and dignity of the Percy family. Now, as a minority owner of the Hotspurs and a descendant of Sir Henry by his daughter Elizabeth, I remonstrate your denigration of this paragon of English fealty and virtue. Good day, sir. Match number four. All right, that was unexpected. I'm going to say borderline unwelcome. That is only one side of the story, and I look forward to finding somebody who can properly present the other side of the story, the noob side of this story of English history. As for you, sir, well, I want to thank you for your time and joining us. I use the term, sir, loosely, or at least not in the knighted way that you seem to be bestowing it upon yourself as the title, because I don't think there is any chance whatsoever that somebody royal actually knighted you an adjunct professor from the University of Bath, no less. So, good day, sir. And besides, don't think for a second that we didn't notice what that instrumental music was. I don't care if you're thinking about Glenn Medeiros or George Benson. Nothing's going to change my love for you. Ugh. Perhaps it's enough said about that for the best. Let's move on to match number four. It's another Saturday match. Let's get far away from all this nonsense to Africa for their Champions League, where they are in the second of the two qualifying rounds. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. This is the final qualifying round. So the 16 winners will be advancing on to the group stage, a.k.a. the event proper. Orlando Pirates, they are playing host to Juana and Galaxy and are from South Africa and Botswana, respectively. This looks like the best match to me because Galaxy actually got ahead one nothing, and this would be a pretty major upset if they were to uh, get in over one of the big South African teams. And we will talk about the Pirates of Orlando first. Uh, Orlando is a township, by the way, of about 100,000 people in part of the Soweto urban area in the northwest part of the country. It's famous for anything history bus will know. Nelson Mandela lived in this area while practicing law, and there's a museum there to his name. The club are nicknamed, and I'm going to, oh, this is a lot of B's and K's, Mabakabaka, yes, which is the freckles, if I have the translation from Swahili correct. Not 100% sure that I do, and if I do, I'm not sure why it is used in this particular in instance. You can always let me know if you know the answer, Soccer Noob USA on Twitter, and thank you very much for it. This is the 16th ranked club in all of Africa. They have won their own domestic league nine different times. 2011-12 was the last time. As far as the Champions League, uh, they've won it. Uh, they won it, I should say, in 1995. They finished in second place in 2013. 2019 was when they made their last appearance and they fell out in the very first qualifying round. 2021-22 uh, is worth noting. They played in the secondary tournament and uh, made the finals. That's the Confederations Cup, Africa's version of the Europa League. 
They are the 11th seeded team remaining in this event. Unfortunately for them, the top 10 got buys to this round. They had to spend a little extra energy, or they are rather trying to earn their way in. They qualified for this event by finishing in second place last year in South Africa's premier division, the top flight there. That, by the way, is the fourth-ranked league in all of Africa. Currently in their league play, it's very early in the season. They're playing just 500 ball, 2-1-2. and two. Uh, They've got a top three offense at one and a third goals per match. It's not a terribly high-scoring league. They're only pretty average on defense. And so far, again, very early, not on pace to return to the event next year. Key player to look for, tied for a third best in scoring so far with three already, is Zakhele Lapasa, a homegrown uh, center forward. And by the way, in terms of this advance, they advanced in the first qualifying round. I said that they had to expend some extra energy, but really not much due to their top seeding in the first qualifying round. They got to face a club from a very small country, uh, Dajabal, out of Comoros, and they beat them handily 4-0 on aggregate. Team's current form, they've actually lost three straight matches, though, in all competitions with a nil against three goal differential. So... The Galaxy coming to South Africa to see if they can keep them on the proverbial schneid. Uh, This is a very interesting area, Juaneg. They were founded as a closed town around a diamond mine owned by a company called Debswana. So for the first very long while, if you wanted to live in the town, you had to have corporate permission. And it wasn't all that long ago that this was considered the richest mine in the world in terms of gem quality diamonds. Uh, The population is still pretty small. It's only a little bit under 25,000 in the southwest part of the country. The club is a fairly young one, founded in 2014, although really it was a merger of two older clubs, and so they got promoted to Division I in 2015 once they had the power to play better. They are seeded number 21 in this event, so it wouldn't be a world-shaking upset, but an upset indeed it would be. They qualified as the champions of last year's Botswana Premier League. That, by the way, is only ranked the number 21st best league in all of uh, the CAF, so very much lower. And No, they only get one team. I was going to say that they might not get two teams, but it is still only their champion that goes. They also won the domestic league title in 2020. Uh, 2021-22 was their only previous Champions League appearance, and they did, in fact, make the group stage. 2023-24 league season is not started for them yet. So to get a little idea of their uh, identity last year, uh, it's a very high scoring league there and they had the second best offense getting a two and a quarter goals per match. They had a top two defense as well or were tied for best in overall goal differential. That's why this is such an unfortunate draw for Orlando Pirates because this is a team that can get it done on either side of the ball. They advanced in the first qualifying round over a much tougher team than their opponents today had to play the Vipers out of Uganda and only beat them 3-2 on aggregate. Match number five. Sometimes all this globe trotting can be a little bit tiring. So tell you what, we will stay in Africa for match number five and head to their secondary international club tournament. They call the Confederations Cup. European fans, this is their version of the Europa League. They are in the second qualifying round and each pair of teams is playing the second leg of home and away two-legged ties. Just like with the Champions League, the 16 winners will be moving on to the group stage. 
Best-looking matchup to me looks like Callan out of Sierra Leone versus Dreams FC from Ghana. Dreams won leg one at their place, two to one. And so Callan only have a one-goal deficit to make up now that it is on their pitch. And that's the reason we chose it. Plus, Callan, I mean, Sierra Leone, you're not talking about a massive country. It would be a mild upset at the very least. Uh, the team plays out of the capital city of Freetown. It is named for its club founder. They were founded in 2002. They've only been to a couple of international national tournaments uh confederations cup the one time they were there they uh, advanced to what is now the first round and in 2007 they played in the champions league and fell out of the very first round they qualified for this event by winning the fa cup last year in sierra leone and by the way their league their premier league is ranked is rather unranked within africa they only uh do about the top 60 percent of league associations there they did not have to play in the first qualifying round. They might have had to, but they uh, were uh, slated to play A.S. Dewanis Niger, but they got to advance in a walkover. I'm sure you know if you follow world news, uh, there's a little thing called a coup d'etat going on in that nation, and so uh, Dewanis Niger withdrew. And by the way, uh, since they qualified by winning the FA Cup, but that's a limited number of games to so get to know them. I'll tell you that in the recently comp competed 2023 Premier League there, uh, they were uh, really lacking on defense, uh, giving up a full goal per match in a fairly low scoring league that was below average. But they did have the number one offense getting almost one and a half goals per match. They'll be looking to keep uh, the score relatively low, maybe a one nil win. Uh, teams current form, they finished the league season on a little bit of an icky streak 0-4-1 that was in July though and now from Ghana Dreams FC don't have a ton on them for you I can tell you that they qualified as last year's Ghanaian FA Cup winner and that their league is tied for number 27 in Africa basically they are tied for last amongst the leagues that do get ranked they're only a couple of games into the current season they're 1-0-1 last year we can get a better idea looking at them they finished in 6th place they're good not great a little bit better on defense than they are offense they give up a touch less than a goal per match that's in the top half of the league if not way up there and they had a top four goal differential they advanced to this round in a very close 2-3 home and away two-legged tie over Milo FC out of the nation of Guinea um, yeah 2-3 on aggregate that's right Honest and true, we changed the kitty cat's food recently, have them eating a little bit healthier, but they still crave. A recap of last week's matches, let's give it to the match number one last week, was our featured match from Major League Soccer. It was a Saturday match between the Union of Philadelphia, number four in the East, against LAFC, second best at the time in the West. They played to a nil-nil draw, no change in the table there. The Liga Mayor for match number B was our next visit, that's in the Dominican Republic. Number B, C.A. Pantoja took on number three mocha mocha got the road win nil one that means they climb up and will enter the final round the top four teams the next stage of their season there as the number b seed whereas pantoa slipped down to number three sunday match number three from the premier league in england number four arsenal versus number b the dreaded tottenham hotspur they played to a two two draw match number four from brazil's fa cup final the second leg of the home and away two-legged tie with a copa libertadores berth on the line when the way of Sao Paulo. They managed a 1-1 draw here at home. Couple that with their nil-1 road win from a week or two back, and they are your Brazilian FA Cup champions. Congratulations. Match number five from the Czech Republic. 
first league top flight there, a classic matchup. Number B, Slavia versus number one, Sparta, both based in Prague. They played appropriately to a 1-1 draw. Match number six from the Australian FA Cup semifinal, the second division, Melbourne Knights versus A-leaguers Brisbane Roar. And it was Brisbane ending the dream for the Knights of Melbourne, 0-1. Match number seven from Moldova's Super League. Number B, Zimbru versus number three, FC Sharif, who are sure to be number one by the end of the season. And they started off on that truck with a 0-1 win here, although no change in the table at this time. Monday match number eight from Mozambique's top flight, the Moshambala number B. Usually the winners, it seems like Black Bulls Maputo versus number one, Pharaoh Viario Baira, and it was Baira getting the 1-3 road win that all but salts away the league title for them. Match number nine, a Tuesday match from St. Kitts and Nevis, their Premier League final round. The second leg was being played on this particular day of their very unique best of three final round. St. Paul's versus Superstars, and Superstars got the road win uh, one to three. And uh, so, and St. Paul, or yes, St. Paul's, by the way, won the first finals match, 1-1-4-3 on penalty kicks. So each have gotten a road win, and they will go to a third leg, as I'm sure you have already heard. Match number 10 was the final from the U.S. Open Cup, our FA Cup, Inter-Miami versus Houston Dynamo. Inter-Miami, without Messi, could not get their second trophy of the league season. They fell 1-2 to Houston. Congratulations. Houston will get to move on to the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And now your three bonus matches with explanations coming later. First, a Tuesday match called the Route of the Week. First versus last place. It was number 10, Haru <laughs> Yalgapalikul versus number one, FCI Lavadia. Yeah, from Estonia's top flight, the Maestra Liga. Uh, Lavadia, it was not a route, but they did get the win, nil one. Your most meaningless match in the world was a Sunday match from the Premier League of Bhutan. Number six, RTC versus number five, Druk Lehul. And it was RTC getting the ever so slight upset, two nil. No change in the table there. They remain e equally meaningless. And then finally, your match of disappointed bottom two teams from Costa Rica in the Apertura stage. Number 12, Municipal Gracia versus number 10. They had climbed up a match just before we recorded Deportivo San Carlos, and it was Municipal getting a home and slight upset with a 1-0 win. Nevertheless, no change in the table there. Both remain equally disappointing. That concludes your match, your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into the upcoming week's match with... Match number six. Our final Saturday match takes us to the Super League of Kosovo. It is the 33rd ranked league in all of UEFA, which given the size of Kosovo, it's really remarkable that they're starting to flirt with the top half of league associations in Europe. Uh, they're slightly rewarded for that. Their uh, champion still has to start all the way back in the first qualifying round of the preceding year's Champions League. But one of their two teams that will go to the tertiary international club tournament, the Europa Conference League, will get the skip around in qualifying and starting the second one. It is very early in the season here, and your top two matchup is number B, Balkani, versus number one, I'm going to pronounce it Lapi, L-L-A-P-I. I do not know uh, with, I believe, Slavic languages what to do with that L-L necessarily. Could be Yapi, but I'm not sure. Lapi, they currently lead Balkani by two on goals scored, meaning they're tired on both points in the table and goal differential so far. 
Now, because it's early in the season, and we'll probably get to revisit these teams, or at the very uh, least this league a couple of times between now and the end of the primary European season, it's a great time for animals from around the world. I wish I had my daughter here to do the theme song with me, but she has been incredibly busy having just started middle school, about to start doing archery, and is just uh, winding up basketball. But nevertheless, she has picked out an endangered animal from this area of Europe for us to learn about, and I have the research in front of me. Uh, this animal, or bug, is known as Ampedus quadricignatus. It is the four-spotted click beetle. I believe that's all Latin. Uh, click beetles are named this way, in case you're not familiar, because they have a uh, part of their spine that they can violently uh, click. It's like they ratchet up their own uh, front third of their body, and then that violent motion takes place and that shoots them upward. It helps them to escape prey or even just get off their back if they have fallen on their back. Uh, that's one of the ways that they escape predators is by the jumping or if they just fall off the foliage that they're on in order to escape a bird or some other predator land on their back, they can use this very unique mechanism to get back upright. Uh, they are mainly dark in color and then the uh, quadricignatus, that it refers to the half ring of four whitish yellow spots that are on their back. Uh, this, there are uh, just a myriad of types of click beetles all over Europe and all over the world, in fact. This particular one is one of the few that actually likes high altitudes, and the reason that my daughter picked this particular one, Person Noob found out that they live mainly in the Dinaric portion of the Alps, which is largely in this part of Europe, where Kosovo is. Uh, they are saproxylic, meaning that they specifically eat dead wood. Very important to forests because this helps the process of getting nutrients back into the soil that much faster. Uh, the adults also like to eat pollen. They really, really like flowered areas. And then in the larval stage, they will also eat other larvae. They are cannibalistic. Uh, the main threat to these types of bugs is uh, logging and deforestation, even salvage logging, which in many ways is yeah, supposed to be good for the environment you're not or at the very least you're not cutting down live trees you're cutting down dead ones but you know still it affects this particular animal and process in the environment uh, we really didn't find a whole lot of what's necessarily being done to protect them it is simply uh, the loss of forest land that is going to continue to hurt them unless that is slowed or halted so once again on behalf of person noob this has been animals from around the world and then she would say croissant match number seven our first Sunday match takes us to somewhat familiar territory. We were here just a couple of weeks ago, and the here is Lithuania, where they're having their FA Cup final uh, for newer fans of the sport. Don't forget, this is not league play. This is a separate bracketed or elimination tournament that is played in the calendar alongside the league. The reward for winning an FA Cup in this particular country is that the winner gets to go to the Europa Conference League the next year. In Lithuania, they are going to be playing this at a neutral site in the city of Kaunas. By the way, I also do want to mention that Finland's FA Cup final is also this week, so you can use your Google machine powers to find out which two teams have a trophy on the line there as well. We picked this particular one. We try not to be 
be too FA Cup heavy because there are certain types of year where we can do nothing else at the cost of doing a lot of other great matches. But your matchup is Transinvest Vilnius, and they are the reason that we are doing this particular match because they are in the second division. Pretty rare for a non-top flight team to get this far. Versus uh, Xialuai. Uh, Transinvest Vilnius to review from a couple weeks ago uh, Vilnius is the capital city of the country this appears to be a very new club in fact founded in 2022 probably their first season although it's possible that they played in a lower division prior to this as you might imagine it's hard to find a lot of or consistent information sometimes on non-top flight football from places like Lithuania. At least it is on this side of the pond and for me. Uh, they advanced to the final over a Division One side called Banga 2-1. to one. Or no, I'm sorry, that's who they beat in the quarterfinal. And I know in a previous round of this tournament, they beat Xialiai's reserve team 10-0, which is pretty fun. Taking a look at their league play, they're going to be in the top line next year. It's almost a mathematical certainty. They are number one and in position to be promoted by 15 points over a pair of other clubs last I look. They've got the best offense in that league by miles, getting almost three goals per match. They've got the number one defense, giving up less than one per, and a goal differential that is more than three times better than anybody else in the second division. Teams current form, they are 3-1-0 with a whopping 18-2 goal differential across all competitions. And now Xialiai looking to put an end to uh, their particular run and party. That is a city, by the way, as well. It's in the north, north central part of the country. It is the fourth largest one in Lith- Lithuania at a little over 100,000 people. This was a massive leather goods manufacturing city for all of Europe before the Soviet area era, rather, when things were uh, moved to more uh, wartime traditional industries. It's worth Googling up their crest. It's got a pair of what I'm going to say are heraldic or uh, bears that are drawn in a quasi-heraldic fashion, and they're facing one another. It looks like they're playing patty cake, and one of them might have like an S&M mask on. I can't tell what's going on there. I wish I was making that up. Again, check it out on your Google machine. This is a club that's a bit older, if not old. They were founded in 2007, and the last couple seasons are their first two years ever in Division I. Uh, historically, they've been more of an academy than a true club. Uh, they train a lot of uh, university age and younger people. And uh, the team as it stands right now is actually a merger of two other schools of sport from this region. Currently, they are in fourth place in the A-Liga, the top flight there in Lithuania. They trail number three, Hegelman, by 11 on goal differential, so they're tied on points for the second and final of the ECL berths. So this could be a very important victory for them to get. They're pretty well balanced. Uh, They're a little weaker on offense. They get less than a goal and a third per match. It'll be really interesting to see if they ramp that up somewhat easily against a second division team or not. Certainly Banga did not. Uh, the number four scorer in the league is there's a boast of. He's got a dozen that is uh, Eligius Jankoskus. He is a left winger for them, and he's even made uh, seven appearances for the national team. This team advanced to the semifinal over Kauno Gilgaris 3-1, and it took them added extra time. That's not exactly one of the powers over there, although they are a fellow top flight team. Team's current form, they are 2-0-1 in their last three. 
Match number eight. Well, that was an absolute butt-ton of tracking, new bites. so you get a couple of days off. And yes, butt-ton is a scientific or a commercial, at least, measurement, although it refers to, like, half casks of wine. Neither here nor there. You deserve a couple days off. You shall have them. Wednesday, we're back into it. Match number eight is from the CONCACAF Caribbean Cup. Right now, there are two groups of five. They're playing just a single round, Robin, and the top two from each will advance into the playoffs. Uh, the top three finishers overall from this tournament, by the way, will advance to the CONCACAF Champions Cup. This is the final match of the group stage, and the really key one looks to be number three defense force in that grouping out of Trinidad and Tobago versus number B, Mocha from the Dominican Republic. Right now, Mocha lead them by two points. Uh, either could win the group with a one here, uh, a win plus a loss by Cavaliers, uh, by Jamaica's team Cavalier FC. Although Cavalier is guaranteed no worse than second, they will be advancing. All right, Defense Force, they play pretty near or in the capital city. Their offices, I think, are one place and the stadium's another. Port of Spain, greater area is where they are. And the team, uh, that name is not a historical one. They are truly made up of Army and Coast Guard members, which I find really cool. And here's a fun fact. They are the only team in all of CONCACAF besides Cruz Azul out of Liga MX to ever win their domestic league, their domestic FA Cup, and the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And to that end, they've actually won the CONCACAF Champions Cup way back when the landscape was a lot different and America wasn't a major player. Uh, 1985, the other one was in the 70s. Their last Champions Cup appearance might have been in 2002. That's the most recent one that I'm seeing anyway. They play out of the top flight there in Trinidad and Tobago, which is the 13th ranked of the 14 CONCACAF leagues that get ranked for being professional, or I think at least fully semi-professional. That means that they are the fourth and bottom of the four professional Caribbean leagues that are ranked. They qualified for this as the 2023 uh, second best team. The reason I'm hesitating here a little bit is by the time the deadline hit to enter your teams, the league season wasn't quite uh, done. This team, this league was going to get to send at least two teams. The team was in second place fairly late in their season at that time. In fact, they ended up winning the league, so it's not like they, uh, you know, backed their way in or something. And by the way, that was their 20th league title historically. Uh, their offense really key for them. They had the third best one in the league, getting a little bit under two and a half goals per match. Uh, team's current form, uh, one, two, and zero, oh, and with a three to two goal differential. So they'll be playing things pretty tight to the vest. It seems if they follow their uh, recent trend. Their leading scorer in this event with a pair of goals has been uh, Rion Moore. He is a homegrown forward for them, who's got nearly 20 national team caps. Team's current four, they are on a very impressive 20-match unbeaten streak. And now Mocha. That is the second biggest, or not second, the 10th biggest city in all of the Dominican Republic at about 175,000. It's essentially in the greater capital uh, area. It's only, or not capital, it's about 10 miles from the second biggest city and major commercial center of the very well-known Santiago. A lot of coffee production in the country, and uh, it is a major banking center for the country, and in fact, the entire Caribbean. They have won the most league titles in the nation's history. This area is considered to be the country's quote-unquote cradle of football. 
They qualified as the best non-stage winner last year. Yeah, Dominican Republic got to win, uh, send three teams. Mocha did not win the Apertura or Clausura stage, but they were the best of the ones that didn't. Here in the 2023 Liga Mayor, their top flight, they're currently in the playoffs and have reached the semifinals. In the regular season, they were very well balanced, having the second best offense and defense in what's a moderately low scoring league. They were only getting a little one and a half, a little over one and a half goals per match. Teams current form, they have one two straight with a four against zero goal differential. Match number nine. Match number nine keeps us in our region of CONCACAF. We head off to the other feeder tournament for the CONCACAF Champions Cup, or one of the others anyway, the Central American Cup first year uh, that this has been in existence in its current form. They have reached the quarterfinals and the second leg of the home and away two-legged ties. Now, the top six finishers from this event all get to go to the next CONCACAF Champions Cup. So if you win a quarterfinal match, it means you're you're one of the four teams that's automatically and if you lose you still get to play one of the other losers for a chance to win a total of six go the best looking matchup to me looked like costa rica's saprisa versus real esteli out of nicaragua because nicaragua is not one of the stronger latin american countries and top light leagues and yet their team did hold serve and win the first leg at their place one nil so saprisa a very big powerhouse from costa rica have to overcome that you can actually watch this here in the states eight o'clock eastern time on fox soccer plus or if you want spanish language streaming uh vix is the service to check out but that's all you're going to get out of us for this particular match because this is the time of show where noobs tumbly gets a little rumbly i get hungry time to take a culture break culture break nearly always means food and this is going to be a pretty quick hitting one for brevity's sake i learned that i mean it's no surprise to me that there might be some uh, little differences in traditional tacos uh, from latin country to latin country nevertheless the costa rica one surprised me a little bit so I wanted to tell you about it. A truly traditional Costa Rican taco is basically a Mexican flauta uh, with a variety of different toppings. Nothing too surprising there. Uh, it is a corn tortilla stuffed uh, most typically with shredded beef, and then you fry the entire thing. It's pretty much like a Mexican beef flauta, but the way it's served is where things get really different. They then smother the entire things with French fries and cabbage. And then they absolutely bathe it in ketchup and mayonnaise. In fact, if you uh, get them uh, made together, they just call it uh, whatever is Spanish for pink sauce. To that end, uh, I, I don't think it was true, but there was a, a pretty... You remember when McDonald's years ago had something that they just said was a quote-unquote pink sauce for their nuggets? A lot of people feel that it was just uh, basically a, a ketchup and mayonnaise mix with a little bit of uh, Costa Rican uh, sort of traditional spicing. I'm not... I don't, again, I don't think that that was true, but that was definitely floating around out there back in the earlier internet days. And so, while this isn't a really groundbreaking or gross unless you hate mayonnaise on fries i don't i love it dutch style but if you want it costa rican style this is the way to have it cabbage really and match number 10 we're done finally 
Uh, you'll need a little bit more patience, person noob. We're only almost done with the main 10. Don't forget, we still have our three super cool bonus matches to go. Nevertheless, the final match of our main 10 is a Thursday match from the Copa Libertadores. That is the South American Champions League. They have reached their semifinal, and they play a home-and-away two-legged tie to see who goes on to the final. This is the second game between Palmeiras out of Brazil and Boca Juniors from Argentina, a classic powerhouse matchup. The first leg uh, in Argentina got played to a nil-nil draw, so advantage Palmeiras, although, as we'll soon find out why, I don't expect a real shootout in the second one either. Series between these two, at least in recent seasons, Boca Juniors have had um, a slight edge, I believe, with a 2-3-1 and one record. The winners are going to get to play one of two other Brazilian teams, Internacional or Fluminense. You can catch this here in the States on television, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on BN Sports or BN Sports en Español. Palmyras, they play out of Sao Paulo, and uh, because of their Italian background in the club's formation are known as Porco, which, yes, as you would imagine, means pig. They have won the Champions League three different times. They are not your defending titleists, but they won the two right before that. Uh, they are currently the second-ranked team in all of CONMEBOL, your South American Confederation. They qualified by winning the Serie A last year. I believe at the time it was considered the best league in South America. Argentina's top flight has overtaken that barely recently. They're far and away the two best. They advanced to uh, the semifinal over Deportivo Pereira from Colombia, from the third best league in South America. 4-0 on aggregate. Handled them handily. Uh, key player to look for, tied for fifth best in event scoring with four, is the singularly monikered Artur. He's a forward just five foot six. Probably the reason he hasn't been in Europe so far, although he may get a shot. I'm seeing that Lazio out of the Italian Serie A have been keeping an eye on him. Currently, they are in fourth place in Brazil's Serie A and are uh, therefore in position to make it to the Copa Libertadores next year as well as things stand. They are a well-balanced team that is a little bit better on the scoring side of things. Serie A is not a super high-scoring league. They get a little bit over one and a half goals per match, top three. Uh, their goal differential is top two. I expect them to stay in the top four quite easily and qualify for next year's uh, Copa Libertadores as well. In league on the scoring leaderboard for them with seven is Rafael Vega, their attacking midfielder. Team's current form, they've slid a little bit of late. Perhaps uh, they need a little, uh, you know, their calendar's a little stuffed. Oh, one and two of their last three, their defense has been down. Just a one and three goal differential in that stretch. And now the equally defensive-minded Boca Juniors from Buenos Aires. Uh, they are known as the Genoese. Yes, another team that was uh, founded by Italian immigrants. They are currently ranked number four in all of South America. So this is a real powerhouse matchup, as I said. They've won five Copa Libertadores titles before. It's been a little bit since their last one, 2007. They qualified as last year's Argentinian Primera División champions, and they advanced to the semifinal last round over their fellow league mates racing club nil nil on the two games defensively oriented indeed and then beat them 4-1 on penalty kicks uh, their league season just ended they finished in seventh place only and uh, the problem was their offense they were only getting one and a quarter goals per match so it was only a little bit better than average their goal differential they were eighth in the league out of something like 24 teams it's a huge league
On aggregate, because there was a secondary, a smaller uh, sort of a league or tournament uh, that predated the Primera División, and they did very well in that. But overall, they were only fifth place on the year, so they will not even be in the Copa Libertadores next year, I believe, unless they win it all here and get an automatic berth to the 2024 iteration. MVP for their team on the season, in my opinion, was Ignacio Fernandez, just 21 years old. Haven't, surprisingly, seen him on European teams' uh, rumor radars, but he plays central midfielder and has got to be garnering some attention. He's a good passer, tackler, and just gets loads of interceptions. He is uh, not an attacking midfielder, much more defensively oriented. Teams current form, they've slipped a little bit of late as well, 0-2-1 in their last three, with a 1-3 goal difference. Bring forth the bonus matches! And before we bring out the first pair of your winners, thank you very much to everybody who voted in the polls on Twitter to help us determine what the bonus matches would be. You can find us on Twitter as Soccer Noob USA. The first one is a first versus last place match somewhere in the world. My daughter dramatically calls the... Route, 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 route. Of, 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 the week, 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 week. And you have selected a Monday match from Georgia. No, not the U.S. state, as you would imagine, but rather the European country where the top flight is called the Air of Newly. Uh, this is only the 46th ranked league in the world. We don't care. We cover it and love it everywhere. Uh, because they are ranked so low in the coefficient, they only get the minimum number of teams in the European berths. One to the Champions League, two to the Euro Cop uh, Europa Conference League. They start all in the first qualifying rounds. Equally relevant, uh, relevant in this particular uh, match, though, is the relegation zone. One of the 10 teams will be automatically relegated, and two will have to fight for their top flight lives against second division teams in what is called a relegation playoff or playout uh, match or tournament at the end of the year. They're about three quarters of the way through the regular season here. This is one of Europe's more northerly countries, so they started a lot earlier than uh, the big ones over in the western part of the continent. Your matchup is number 10 and last place, Shukura Kobuleti. They are taking on Number one, Dinamo Batumi. Uh, right now, Shakura trail number nine, Jagra, by 14 points. Yeah, it seems as if their fate is very much sealed. Uh, Dinamo uh, Batumi, they're getting that way. They are ahead of number B, Dinamo Tbilisi, by seven points. So uh, it seems likely that they are going to be champions, but they better keep paying attention because we've seen routes of the week, uh, you know, uh, manifest results for the much uh, more lowly-seeming team. The series between these two, well, it would be a first if Shakura could actually get a win. Uh, Batumi have a 10-5-0 record against them, at least in recent years. When they played earlier this season in Batumi, uh, Dinamo won 5-0, in fact. Interestingly, we'll find out that these two clubs have something in common about their cities. Uh, so let's talk about Shakura first. That's the name of the club. Kobuleti is the name of the town. And it is a southwesterly one right on the Black Sea in an autonomous area called Ajara. 
So, uh, and it is a seaside resort town, has maybe only 30,000 people. Uh, if you're a Premier League fan, think of them sort of like AFC Bournemouth, which is actually our Premier League favorite. Last year, they were in the second division and got promoted. They were uh, most recently promoted before that in 2019. Yeah, so they've kind of been back and forth every couple of years between this league and the second division. In fact, they've won the second division five times, all since 1999. This year, they were deducted six points for breaking some sort of league financial rules, but even without that deduction, they would be obviously in some serious trouble. Uh, the offense, yeah, they've been playing small ball. They haven't been trying to score a bunch. They're almost average in that regard, getting one and a quarter goals per match, but they have the worst defense uh, by a lot. So they've tried to play small ball and not succeeded. They've given up two and a half goals per match nearly. Uh, they've got the worst goal differential in the league. They they are the worst teams hands down. If they are to pull off a miracle, it will probably come at the feet of their league leading scorer. Well, he doesn't lead the league, but he's on the scoring leaderboard anyway, so sort of top 10 with nine goals. That is Zorab Mussolini. Yeah, sounds like a Georgian form of Mussolini. A little frightening there. Maybe he's an intimidating player who shows no mercy. Team's current form, they are 0-2-8 in their last 10. Oh, we were looking for, uh, as we always do with the Rather Week, some sort of light, some hope to hang our hat on for this team. I'm not sure we found much there except that they can produce a tiny bit of offense very occasionally. Let's find out a little bit about Dinamo Batumi now, the Giants coming to town. Uh, Batumi is the second largest city in the country. It's in that same region actually of Ajara. That's not the only thing in common. It is also a major tourist area and a huge site in this entire European region for gambling. It's a little bit further south on the map than uh, Kubaletti. It's also been, uh, at the very least in the past, and still some degree, a big food processing area, and being a port city and a big one, it's been very famous for shipbuilding. They've only ever won this league title once, and that was in 2021. However, they have finished in second place three of the other four years surrounding that. Last year, they finished in second place, therefore, got to go to the Europa Conference League, but they lost right away. Uh, this year, uh, they've got a top two offense, but the defense is where they really shine. They're number one in that regard, barely giving up over a goal per match. Nevertheless, uh, their most valuable player might be uh, the number one scorer in the league, the singularly named Flamarion, Brazilian striker. I just love that name. I kind of want to make fun of it, but it's just so much that way that it kind of circles back around to being cool again. He's got 15 goals on the season. Can't make fun of that. Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three with an eight-against three goal differential. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. For my daughter and me, ripping off the late great prince will always have meaning. Yes, time for the most meaningless match in the world. And the one that you have voted for is a Saturday match from Guam. Yes, the westernmost of the United States territories. And they do, in fact, have top flight soccer there. This is the first full league season they've been able to play since 2019-20. I'm presuming, of course, that was due to COVID. This is a country's league association that is tied for last place in the Asian 
Football Confederation, along with four others. They simply haven't earned any coefficient points. I'm not sure that they send any teams, even if they qualify, to international competition. This year, the league started officially with six teams, and only five of them have actually played matches. The winner can or does qualify for the AFC Cup, which starting, I believe, in the 24-25 edition will be called the AFC Champions League 2. In any event, it will be the secondary international club tournament in Asia. There's only two matches left in their season. And just as an interesting side note, and maybe this is by design and they have penalty kicks and I've just never noticed, but none of the teams have any draws in this league. Personally, I think it's due to the volatility because of all the scoring. This league gets more goals than any I have ever seen, say from uh, not the last season or two, but prior to that, the Tahitian League 1. They don't seem to play any defense whatsoever either. Your most meaningless match is number four, Quality Distribution FC versus FC Islanders in third place. Islanders currently lead Quality by six points. They trail number one Wings by 12 points. They will not be catching them. Uh, Quality lead number five, Shipyard H-A-Y-A, by six points in the table. Hence the meaninglessness. Uh, the two times they've played earlier this season, they have split them. Quality won 3-2 at their place. Islanders got a 5-4 shootout victory, although that's pretty standard for around these parts. Don't have a lot of information on these clubs over there, but let's go over what we do have. Quality. They play in Adededo, which is the largest village on the island, if not quite the capital. Uh, it is. Uh, they've got about 45,000 people there. This team has won five league titles I can find record of all between 2007 and the 2011-12 season. 2009-2010, they went a perfect 20-0-0, their claim to fame. Uh, this is a team that is just where they should be, only fourth best in offense at two and a half goals per match. Uh, the defense is average as well. They give up over three and a half per. Team's current form, not playing so well of late. They've lost three straight with a two against 14 goal differential. That 14 is bad enough here, but would just be impossibly awful in any other league. Now the Islanders, I've got even less on them. I know they play in Dedado as well. They've got the third best offense, defense, and goal differential. They're on the other side of the pendulum, though, of recent success. They've got three straight wins with a 15 against nine goal differential. And now for the 13th and final match, appropriately number 13 of the podcast. This is the fresh hell that is the match of Disappointed! And the Herculean scorn from Kevin Sorbo, as always, is appropriate because this is a matchup of two bottom feeders. And from right here in the U.S., we got more votes on this particular poll than we did any other. And your narrow but lone winner was a matchup on Saturday from USL League One. That is one of the third tier leagues here in the United States, the lowest that is fully professional, I believe. It is 12 teams deep, deep rather. The top six will get to go to the playoffs. There is no relegation, which in a way is unfortunate because these two teams stink out loud and sending them, uh, one of them down into League Two 
would be awfully appropriate. There's only three matches left in the season, so not much left to do, but uh, kick some more dirt over the grays of these two. Number 11, Chattanooga Red Wolves versus number 12, Central Valley Fuego. Both have already been eliminated from playoff possibility, as is good, right, and righteous. Uh, the Red Wolves currently lead Central Valley by seven points in the table. It seems like the Fuego is destined for very last place. Series between these two is a fairly fresh one, one, two, and one equal records. The two times they've played this season um, were at, uh, so far, both were in Fresno, where Central Valley is, uh, nil one, and, uh, or no, I'm sorry, they got a road win nil one, and then only managed a one, one draw at home. This is the third and final time that they'll be playing. We'll talk about the home side, the Red Wolves first. They are a young club founded in 2018. Last year, finished in fourth place and were playoff finalists. What on earth happened down in Chattanooga? Did somebody poison the water? The offense uh, it was below average. That's bad enough. You know, getting almost one and a half goals per match. It's a very high scoring league, by the way. Very entertaining. But they had the worst defense running, giving up a full two goals per outing. Second to worst goal differential. Their MDP, yes, you heard that right, most disappointing player. And yes, I can tack on as many affixes as I want. My show has been uh, my Ele Malongo from the Democratic Republic of Congo that plays right midfielder for them ostensibly, although I think he's just sitting around like a little kid playing in the grass like a you know a toddler right fielder or something. He's only got three goals for such an important position and one assist in all of 24 appearances. And remember, this is a high-scoring league. It's like, all right, but he plays over on the right side. He's in the midfield. His job is to cross the ball in. Yeah, well, his percentage accuracy on that was abysmal, and he's also got a low shooting percentage as well when he just tried to score well under 30%. Started his career actually uh, with the New England Revolution's reserve team. <laughs> Apparently they bounced him pretty quickly. He hasn't been back even that high up since. He came over here from Albion San Diego from the NISA League, another non-professional league. Uh, and I think, I don't know if it was due to injury or just stinking out loud, but he only had one appearance there last year. And despite being from the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo, and I believe I did see he was born in Kinshasa. He's actually spent his whole career in the U.S., just kind of interesting. Team's current form, well, they just had a 3-5 win at Lexington SC, the closest thing that we have to a home team here for uh, Team Noob, sadly, and that snatched, uh, snapped rather a two-match losing streak. And now the Fuego out of the Central Valley, or uh, San Joaquin Valley more appropriately. Uh, CF, uh, CVF, they play out of Fresno, another young club founded in 2020. Last year were a little bit higher at number eight, but still not impressive. There were only 10 teams, I believe, in the league last year. And they are your one side that has won, uh, lost 20 matches. Yes, they reached that milestone. That is four more losses than any other club in the league. Uh, the defense putrid. The offense worst in the league, getting just exactly one goal per match on average. Worst goal differential by a factor of 50%. Woof. Their MDP has been Zahir Vasquez, 24-year-old attacker. Three goals, absolutely no assists. A mediocre passer, a poor dribbler, little defensive value. In my understanding, he doesn't even call his mother, let alone Sunday uh, gift or uh, anything else like that on his mom's birthday. So he's an all-around terrible person. Perhaps I've taken it too far, but he's bad at soccer, it would seem. Started his career with Real Salt Lake, uh, Real Salt Lake uh, one of their uh, 
teenage teams, their U19 team, but again, didn't spend very much time with that or any other major league association. Team's current form, they are in a 13-match winless streak and have lost four straight with a two-against-10 goal differential. And rather than wish these two very undeserving teams good luck or good fortune, we will whisk them away in our harsh and traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get away. Hey, boo. Boo. Waldorf, Stadler, fine work. This has been episode 155 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry, to my dad for his character work, to, of course, my daughter for everything that she has done and continues to do for the show. Mwah, love you so much. Said she wanted to continue this. I said, okay, you're starting middle school. You're going to have a lot more to do. Do you want to keep doing the show or do you want to put it aside and she got a look of horror in her face and yelled out with an arm in the air like Judd Nelson at the end of Breakfast Club which she hasn't seen uh, to my knowledge a noob for life God bless you child you have the right of it and thank you to you for finding us we hope you've enjoyed it and that you'll consider passing us along to your footy minded friends until we can do it again in a few days please have yourself a fabulous footy week take care 